<laughs> We're here from Bringing Up Book Lovers. I'm Phyllis Wheeler, author and... I'm Sarah Bobel, homeschooling mom, and today we're going to talk about Thickest Thieves by Susan K. Marlowe. Um, Phyllis, can you give a little uh, summary of what the book is about? Yes, it is. It's a um, a western, so this is a really good book for girls like me who, uh, like I was, who love horses. This is a, a girl named Andy Carter, who's. 13 and uh she's uh for the first thing that happens is her horse uh her mare uh gives birth and there's some um tension but it turns out to be twins so that takes up a, a bit of the book the excitement over twins and then the main story comes along so andy's in school and this uh, girl shows up who is unkempt, belligerent, and rude. And also, she can't read. So she is just generally torturing everybody in the class. So, uh, and, and she's Andy's seatmate. So Andy uh, asks the teacher, can you move me somewhere else, please? And the teacher says, no. Why don't we do something that's a little kinder and gentler? Why don't you try to make friends with Macy? Well, that's a tall order for Andy. So uh, she, but she works on it, and uh, her brother is running her the ranch that she her family lives on. Uh, I discover that rustlers are stealing their cattle. So that's a big mystery. Who is doing that? Well, this book is uh, has quite a bit of Christian teaching in it about how to deal with these struggles with the aid of memorized scripture. So some things come to mind, and she's able to uh, work on solving these things. So um, that's I'm not going to tell you how it ends, so. Yeah, no spoilers. <laughs> um, did you like the story? Did you think it was a good story? I did like it. I did. I thought that Andy was a consistent young heroine. She comes from a privileged family. who's probably the wealthiest ranchers around and um, got into her head very well. And the, the, the challenges, the interior challenges that she had and... Uh, this in this book, this problem of how to be a friend to this uh, uncooperative person. She didn't want to have a friend. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, so, what were some of the themes in the book that stood out? Well, um, I think kindness definitely. You know that, and you know we really need to. Um, reach out to uh, to people who are maybe not being kind to us and just just a general feeling of uh, not focusing on yourself all the time it was, mm -hmm. it's, it was refreshing yeah 
especially in the book, it turned out Macy had, she had reasons for not being kind. She had never had kindness shown to her or it had been a long time. So it was kind of a, you never know what other people are, you know, going through kind of thing. So. Right. Um, yeah. The, the friendship did eventually develop. I'll spoil it that much. So <laughs> we do get inside Macy's motivations somewhat and she is kind of a, a very needy individual. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, what did you think about the character development of, I guess, our main character there, Andy? Um, I thought it was good. I thought Andy does um, take some steps away from being this spoiled little rich girl towards uh, being able to reach out to someone and, mm -hmm. and uh, bless them. Yeah. Did you think the author did a good job of capturing what it felt like to be the main character? She was a she was a spoiled rich girl, but she also was kind of naive. I felt like too, especially in the beginning. Um, yeah, yeah. I thought she did a, a good job. I I have no complaints with any of it really. Well, yeah. the the opening sequence with the horse horse giving birth to twins I thought was too long, but. You know, that's pretty minor, really. Yeah. Yeah, it seemed like the book was going to be about that because it was kind of long. It was really just a small thing in the end. Yeah. I guess it came up later. Um, any memorable scenes? Overall likes and dislikes? Well, there's a scene where um, Andy's really afraid for her life. And she's hiding in a, you know outdoors in a little canyon uh, hiding from some people and so I remember that part she was just terrified so yeah yeah there's also was, a runaway horse scene that I was pretty vivid I felt like oh yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. I think I've been on a runaway horse so I, I empathize with that <laughs> mm. Mm. Any um, overall likes and dislikes, or dislikes and or? Uh, well, I I do think it's a very good book for a Christian homeschool. You know, if you're trying to teach your uh, your child to rely on biblical wisdom, this uh, book does help show how to do that. Not just tell you to do it, but show you somebody doing that uh, I thought that was a very good strong point yeah I did too the only thing I didn't like was that she had the author had Andy's brothers calling her sis and I just didn't think that was authentic to the period it was like the 1800s I think so that kind of bothered me more than it probably should have but that was there in case anybody else is caring caring about the historical accuracy yeah, that is a question. Like, what did they call their sisters back then? I, I, I do know of, you know, people who are three or four generations back from me who called each other sissy. Yeah. So, sister or sissy. I don't know. Like, I just don't think the, like, the Little House books and all those other books from even other countries, I guess, just, it didn't seem to, it didn't seem to match, but I didn't do my research. So, I don't know. Um, the tone wasn't maybe 
perfectly fit to the time period. Yeah, if it was going to be some kind of historical fiction, then that just didn't seem to be accurate. But I guess I don't know that for a hundred percent. So and also, you know, it's um, it's hard to hard to say what they really talked like back then. And if we if if we did actually mirror what they said, it it might be kind of off putting for the modern reader. So you gotta like the writer has to make, strike a balance there to be able to be easily read by the modern reader. Yeah, I wouldn't put in something that's that's not accurate though. I mean, I, I understand modifying something, but putting in something that's it's, it sounded like the Berenstain Bears to me, honestly. Like, hey, sis, you know, hey, brother. <laughs> that's what it reminded me of. So, oh, dear. <laughs> In that way, me. <laughs> it could be a personal issue for me. So, yeah. Um, right. But let's see. Anything potentially controversial for homeschoolers? I didn't see a thing. Yeah, me neither. Um, and I think we answered the question or addressed the question of how is it redemptive because we did have the minor spoiler of yes, Andy pursues this girl, and this girl doesn't want to be pursued at all. But uh, the kindness does what it's what's supposed to do. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, do you have any other comments? Uh, well, I would say that if you're a, a homeschooling family who is not Christian, you might want to pick a different book. You know, this is a Christian book. Yeah, there's definitely yeah. scripture, and it sets the tone for their family. Right. Too. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, there is a study guide for homeschoolers, a free one actually, that goes with the book. Mm -hmm. If that is of interest to anybody. Should they just email you for it? They Well, if you go to her website and look oh. under study guides, you'll find it. This is okay. Thick as Thieves uh, study guides. And it's, it's a thick one. It's a unit study. Okay. So we're going to talk to Susan Marlowe here in just a second. So don't go anywhere. Okay. So welcome, Susan K. Marlowe, to Bringing Up Book Lovers, where we've been reviewing your book and uh, having a good time uh, talking about the themes in it and so on. So... Uh, so where do you live? I live in um, north central Washington state, up near the Canadian border. We're at like uh, 3,400 feet. And that means we get lots of sun in the, the summer and lots of snow in the winter. Western Washington has all the rain. We have all the sunshine. So that's where I am. So it's a desert really, right? No, we're surrounded by trees. We're up in the national, right by the national forest, Ponderosa Pine, rolling foothills. It's actually beautiful. Down in the valley, it's um, orchards and irrigated stuff with the Columbia River and all that. So we don't live near the eastern Washington desert or wheat oh, okay. or, or wheat country either. So. so are you on a ranch? Uh, no, we are on about 14 acres of homestead ponderosa pine. You can see in back of me, I, we've got a, like an A-frame um, cabin that's been here since the 60s that we, we bought. 
my daughter, she's the one who lives in um, Andy country down in California. She's got about five acres, horses. They just had a foal. And so she's the one with the little mini ranch right smack in the setting where um, most of my books are set. Which is in the San Joaquin Valley. Well, yes, the, that's where Fresno is. The San Joaquin Valley is sort of takes up a huge spot. But as um, in my books, the ranch sort of spreads out into the foothills. So they have the valley to do all their orchard stuff. And then the, all the um, foothills is all for the rangeland and stuff. So it's like thousands and thousands of acres. So and my daughter lives in kind of the foothills region. So it's really great for photography opportunities. So, so yeah. someone who's not all that familiar with California, like me, might want to know, like, more or less, where is this? Is it closer to L.A. or closer to San Francisco? Oh, that's a great question. Well, the San Joaquin Valley, Fresno and stuff is just about, oh, southeast of, say, San Francisco, located in Central California. Um, Southern California is, is quite a distance. It's four hours by car to get to the outskirts of LA. You have to go through the Tehachapi Mountains. It's there's a there's a lot between where my setting is. It's it's right along the Sierras. So to the northeast would be Yosemite. So they they have all the advantages of the, okay. the mountains and the and the foothills and stuff. But I, I said it there because I wanted my character also get an opportunity to have a um, an uh, an adventure in San Francisco too, and which was the largest city on the West Coast in those days. So, oh, so you, so you, this is part of a Thick as Thieves, the book we've been looking at, is part mm -hmm. of a big um, series, right? Of books, all, they're all about Andy Carter. Or? They are. They they they're more like when when I go to homeschool conventions and they want to know the quick, you know, one minute intro. It's sort of like a. Uh, Little House on the Prairie, and in, in fact, that, that Laura starts at age six, and and the books sort of culminate with her getting married. But think of it out west combined with a real exciting, adventurous, like old west TV series like Bonanza for anybody who's old enough to remember that show. So I've kind of combined that um, in my series. Okay. Great. Did the idea for it come from visiting your daughter down there? Because I, right before I read your book, I read *The Red Pony* by John Steinbeck, um, oh, yeah. and not not like similar in tone at all. But the setting, I was he has that one man in the book that goes and climbs up into the mountains, and I was like, oh, it's, I can picture I can picture that just in both books. So, well, what I did is. At the time, my daughter wasn't living there, um, and I wanted to set my series in California because setting it in Washington in those days, you can't do much with horses. The eastern side of the mountains is just like nothing. It's not even a state. California had, was already a state. It had San Francisco. It was really being built up fast because of the gold rush. And what I did, I, I wanted my um, characters to live close enough to the mountains that I could have ventures going that way too. So I just looked on a map, Rand oh. McNally Atlas, <laughs> and said, which city is the closest to the Sierra Nevada? And it was Fresno. So I said, looks good to me. And so <laughs> then I visited countless times, both uh, San Francisco and that area until I, I really got to know it. And then 
now that my daughter lives there, now we spend the winters there. And that just, it's really confirmed that I wasn't off on any of my research, that it was, it was pretty accurate. So. so how did you go about doing the research for that time period of the area? Um, for Thick as Thieves, that, that just sort of grew um, from the other books. The Circle Sea Adventures was the first series I wrote, and Thick as Thieves is the first book of that older kids, of the older girl series when she's a teenager. Mm -hmm. But I just went down to Fresno, and I we drove around in the mountains, and I read a lot of um, primary source ranching kind of books, like if you're familiar with uh, um, Ralph Moody, uh, Little Britches, The Home Ranch, and all of those wonderful books about the turn of the century in Colorado. Mm -hmm. And I just um, learned a lot by reading about an actual um, kid who was working with horses. And and another thing is in Thickest Thieves, you know, uh, Taffy has her twin foals. So I wasn't sure how accurate that was going to be. I watched some stuff on the internet and everything, but I have a, another author friend who is, whose son is a rancher in Texas. So I, I had her send him the first couple chapters to see if it even had any authenticity. And he sent it back saying it looked great. So that okay. kind of was a confirmation that I off completely off either. <laughs> so. so now you, I believe, are a teacher originally. Is that right? Yes. Yes. I have a degree in elementary education. Um, I've taught at uh, our Christian schools. And I've taught at... I, I've substituted in the in the um, school districts off and on, but then I when I homeschooled, so that sort of set my course for the next twenty some years. And when I went back, I I substituted like one day and said, "Okay, I'm too old for this." <laughs> so I decided I'd, I'd rather edit, and um, that's a pretty lucrative business instead of. Uh, substituting although I, lo I love the kids and I miss the kids but uh, I was, it was time to move on. <laughs> so how many kids do you have that you homeschooled? I have four my daughter's the oldest and she actually homeschools as well she has eight oh and then I have uh, yeah another son who they did not homeschool and then I have two younger ones and they, they don't even have any kids. They're millennials. <laughs> so uh, so I have four. But I, I help my daughter homeschool her eight. So I'm kind of back in the saddle. So I've never really lost connection with the homeschool um, community. Sort of kind of ingrained in there since my first one was homeschooled. Just keeps on going. So. Awesome. So... So did you start writing these books because you saw a, a hole in the market for homeschoolers? No, actually, this is a full disclosure interview. I used to love watching those old Western TV shows like Bonanza, Big Valley, Rifleman, all of those. And I just thought that some of those series were missing a key component, and that was another younger character. So I would just sort of write my own kind of fan fiction about these um, <laughs> these series and got great ideas and wrote them and I let some of my friends they were actually really shy believe it or not and I was too shy to have them ever published or have anyone look at them but the ones who I did have them read them said you have got to get these published and I said no I don't think so but 
I'm afraid that God had other plans. And through a lot of different things that happened, I changed all the names, I changed the settings, and I just kind of used those series as a jumping off and complete, com, um, completely wrote a whole bunch of different stories. And then they ended up getting published. It, it was no... No particular reason, like, I'm going to fill a need. I wrote for myself. I just loved reading, you know, those, um, just loved watching the shows, loved reading about them. So I just wrote for myself. And and my mentor said, you need to let other people read them, too. So that's how I ended up getting published many years ago. So this yeah. was, uh, this fan fiction thing is not, you were an adult, right? Not a teen or anything. Oh, there's a huge fan fiction thing out there. I, I, I no, 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 I mean for you. What age were you? Were you as an adult? But I'm really actually only about twelve on the inside, and so I like I love young adults. I mean, I love Caddy Woodlawn, and I love all those great young adult books. I, I mean, I loved yours, you know, Phyllis. I loved reading about kids that age and the stuff that they they go through, and you, especially when you can make it real like that. Um, I appreciate young adult books that are written well. I, I don't like the ones that are just thrown together, you know, but uh, there's some great young adult books out there. So I wrote fan fiction for myself because I wanted to read about a younger, a younger um, character. And you and wanted to read about a girl. To your That's exactly right. <laughs> a girl that can have all these adventures, you know, rather than, you know, they can have just as great adventures as boys, you know, back. I started writing back about 1991 is when I first got really enamored for writing this series. Before then, there's the secret. I wrote Star Trek fan fiction when I was a teenager because that's when that show came on. I'm like, that's how old I am. It was like, it influenced me as age 13 when it came on, and I thought, I'm going to put myself on that starship. So that's kind of how I started writing the, the fan fiction. I didn't know that's what it was called in those days, but there you go. I just And actually, I have this writing, um, online writing class that I'm, I'm starting, and one of the things that, that the kids need to know is if, it, it's hard work to create a universe from scratch. And so I actually encourage kids who say they have a favorite movie, like um, like the Star Wars, for instance. I use that universe, write stories using someone else's universe to get so you can learn the skills that you need without having to invent everything. Like my grandson wrote a Star Wars story. I even published it for him on Lulu. And he pretended he was Luke Skywalker's long lost missing younger brother. And it's a delightful story, of course, he can never really publish it for real, but it gave him the opportunity to develop his skills, like I said, without having to think up everything. So mm -hmm. I know some teachers don't like it, you know, oh, use your own imagination, but I can pray that I have to disagree. I say, write what you like to write. If you love to write fan fiction, write fan fiction. It's, it, it's a lot of fun. So. I, I hear Twilight got started like that. Oh, really? I didn't yeah, know that. it was fan fiction. <laughs> fan fiction, that's great. So, anyway, that was my little plug for, for any young writers that are listening out there. That's, that's great advice, I think. Yeah, might as well go to the nitty-gritty part, skip all those details to start with. You've been writing on uh, about 
the Carter family since 1991, correct? Yes, that's correct. And you're still writing about them, right? I actually am. I have um, a two new books that are coming out because Andy gets married at the end of the series and the fans did not want me to end there. Do you have a new series that you're thinking about then or because it sounded like you were, I wasn't well, sure that you married, got, got married. You know, well, that's the two books that are coming out are two collections of short stories. Um, but I'm not, they would like me to do another series. Oh my goodness, would they like me to? But I'm just really involved now in my new Zoom writing class. And I love the marketing aspect of the book stuff. And I just, helping my daughter homeschool. I just really don't have time to write books, though. They would like, I have a boy series called Gold Town Adventures, and there's only four books in that series, and they would love the other two books to be finished because I have a contract for the other two books, but we just never got around to getting those two books done. Um, and my editor is willing to brainstorm with me. I, I'm, But I have like 30-some books. They're all set in California, and I'm sort of running out of ideas on what can happen next that I haven't already done. I mean, people mm -hmm. brainstorm with me, and I say, hey, fans, give me some ideas. Oh, what about a cougar? I've been there, done that two or three times. Okay. Well, what about this? Oh, done that. And what about that? Done that. So that's kind of what I'm up against, something fresh and new that doesn't seem like it's rehashed. And also with the boy main character, that who's also 12 and 13, in his series so it's like you might need a new setting that might help yeah but you know my heart is in california my heart is on this ranch and they they asked that too they said well you know you did something with the riverboat but it was on the sacramento river you could go to st louis or do something in missouri and my heart is not in st louis i'm afraid <laughs> <laughs> no offense to you missouri people but um i just love the ranching thing and i i don't know if i could get my heart behind another whole character at this point i mean if it is happens. that series also in the same time period as as this one same same time period. yes um the gold town is set about oh maybe 15 years earlier but you know andy's older brother chad that's in the books he's okay. he's a guest star in one of the boys books of the gold town and he's 12 so okay. i they're kind of combined but Andy's not in them of course because she'd be way too little but that's the way I, I put them together they um they're about hmm, I don't know 100 miles away or something up in the up in mm. the gold country up in the Sierra so they're sort of together but um not so much I mean I, I did a little beginning series for the little boys and those have been really popular because there's not much for little boys to read that are learning to read and there's Magic Tree House and, and stuff like that. But I wanted to do uh, that book, the, that series I did write with a view toward um, a need in the, in the market overall, not just the homeschool market. But um, the boys, they would say, oh, we love your little ranching books, but there's a girl on the cover. And can't we get books for little boys? We have nothing for our little boys to read. So I did do that. And then those dovetail into the older series, same characters and stuff. Right. And we need to mention that you've written unit studies or study guides for every one of your books? Or? Every single one of them. In fact, 
today, every day I've been working on the ones that go with, um, you know, they go with these two new books that I'm doing. Well, that's going to say those are the two. I'm, I'm working on um, study guides for all of all of these books. Uh, the older kids um, don't need the lap books anymore, so I'm going to phase the lap books out of um, the series with um, Thickest Thebes for for that series and just expand the study guide. It's going to probably end up being like probably close to 300 or more pages because uh, for middle school, and that's what you write too, the sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. They need some deep critical thinking. They need, um, they, they don't need lap books to cut and paste anymore. You know, they, they need to write. They need to dig into some grammar, um, you know, vocabulary and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm really expanding this, this series with the Thickest Thieves, that whole series for the study guides. So Awesome. Yep. Yeah, well, I really... Thank you for spending some time with us today. That was really fun. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We enjoyed the book. It was a really fun story. Oh, um, so this is Susan Marlowe's book, Thickest Thieves, which is part of a whole series of books about Andy and her family. Um, so check them out. Thank you for, thank you for talking to us. Thank you very much for having me.